I want to start the show today with a truly remarkable story, <laughs> which begins with this girl right here. Um, hello, I'm Laura Buxton. Laura Buxton is her name. Remember that name. And Laura, mm-hmm. let's do this like a movie, okay? Like a movie. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Okay, it's June 2001. Yeah. Where are we? Exactly? Oh, we're in a little town in northern England called... Stoke-on-Trent. Stoke-on-Trent. Yep. Mm-hmm. And there is Laura Buxton standing in her front yard. She is 10 years old. Yeah, well, almost 10. Whatever. She's a tall girl. Pretty tall for my age. Pigtails. And in her hand, she's holding a balloon. A red balloon. You with me so far? Yep. She has written her name on the balloon. It just said, um, please return to Laura Buxton. And then on the other side, it had my address. Mm. So there she is, standing in her front yard with her balloon. It's very windy. And she holds her balloon up to the sky, to the heavens. And I just let it go. And the wind took it. (laughs) We were laughing and joking because we just thought it'd get stuck in a tree a bit further down the road somewhere. But that's not what happened. The balloon kept going. All right, now I'm looking at a map here of England, and Stoke-on-Trent is at the top, so the balloon would have had to go south, like pound, down, down, past Stratford, past Walsall, past Wolverhampton, then past Birmingham, past Kidderminster, past Worcester, past millions of people, past Chettingham, people with different lives, different names, past Gloucester, Gloucester, (laughs) Gloucester, and all in all, the red balloon goes about 140 miles south. Exactly against the prevailing wind. Oh, really? Which is a southwesterly. Okay, so finally, when this balloon is all the way on the other side of the country, it begins to descend. Down, down, down. And of all the places it could have landed, you know, in a river, in a factory parking lot, in the sea. Instead, the balloon touches down in the yard of this girl. I live, I live in the countryside in a little village called Milton Lilbourne. Just so you're not confused, this is a different girl than the first one. They do sound the same, but they live on opposite ends of the country. The balloon got stuck in our hedge but our next-door neighbour found it, and he thought it was just a bit of rubbish, and he collected it up so the cows wouldn't eat it because he didn't want the cows to, like, choke on the rubbish. And he was about to put it in the bin, like, literally. And then he saw the label saying, please send back to Laura Buxton, and he was like, oh, my God. Why? Why would he say, oh, my God? Okay, so check this out. Uh Remember how I told you how the first girl who sent the balloon was 10? Yeah. The second girl who received it? I'm 10 years old. She's 10. Okay. Okay. Uh, wait, there's more. <laughs> Better be- Remember how I told you the first girl's name was Laura Buxton? Yeah. Well, girl number two, can you introduce yourself? Okay, um, hi, I'm Laura Buxton. What? Girl number one. Hello, I'm Laura Buxton. Girl number two. Hello, I'm Laura Buxton. They're both Laura Buxton? Yeah. No. Yes. Both named Laura Buxton. Yes. Get out! You heard me right. A ten-year-old girl named Laura Buxton. Let's go of a balloon. Phew! That balloon floats 140 miles and lands in the yard of another 10-year-old girl named Laura Buxton. This is for real. Yes. I think it might be the strangest thing I've ever heard in my life. It's pretty weird. So weird, we had to get them both into a studio. Hello, New York. This is London. Can you hear me? So, like, we're going to hear Americans through these. This balloon thing happened about eight years ago, so both Lauras are now 18, and they've actually become really good friends. Anyhow, back to the story. Yeah, I got the balloon. That's Laura number two. What did you think at that point? Um, well, I I was quite young, so I didn't really know what to think. I was just like, I better write the letter because, you know, there's someone else out there called Laura Buxton. I must see them. So Laura number two wrote a letter to Laura number one. Dear Laura, 
I think I put, I'm 10 years old and I live in Wiltshire and I found your balloon. And the thing is that my name is Laura Buxton as well. So lots of love from Laura Buxton. Laura number one. Yeah. You get the note. Got it through the post. You remember reading it? I remember reading it because I sort of opened it up whilst I was in the kitchen. And it was really quite confusing, actually. Okay, a short while later, the two Lauras meet. Hello. Then at that moment, things get even weirder. They realize when they see each other for the first time, oh my God, not only do we have the same name and are the same age, but we look the same. Same height. Skinny and tall. Same color hair. Brownish hair. And I remember the weirdest thing was that we were wearing really similar clothes. Yeah. Which I always thought was was just so weird. What were you wearing? Do you remember? Pink jumpers and jeans. Yeah. So you both had on pink jumpers and jeans? Yeah. <laughs> and as they started to talk, it just kept getting weirder. Well, we'd both got a three-year-old black Labrador. We'd both got a grey rabbit. We'd both got guinea pigs. Really? Yeah, yeah. And they both brought their guinea pigs with them that day. I remember Laura took hers out of its cage and I had mine on my lap. And we were like, oh my God. They were identical. <gasps> they were both brown with a sort of beigey orange patch on their bum. Like, completely the same. I was just like, oh my gosh, how is this happening? Do you believe in miracles? Either of you? I don't know, would you call this a miracle? I'm not sure. I mean, I guess it could be, but I think it's more of a case of fate. Yeah, I'd say it's more fate than a miracle. So you don't think that wind that blew the balloon was just wind? Well, if it was just wind, it was a very, very lucky wind. (laughs) (laughs) The chances are just so unlikely there must be some kind of reason. What kind of reason? Maybe we were meant to meet, I don't know. But meant by who? Or what? Mm. Who knows, really? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, only time will tell. It could actually be like preparing us for something else later in life, who knows? when we're old grannies, we'll find (laughs) out. (laughs) We're just young and we're just enjoying life. I mean, mm. what do you look what you you're, you know what you are? What? You're a destiny bully. <laughs> you know like, like what do you bear? Well, you call me a destiny's bully? Yes, Sounds because like a pop you, band or something. No, it's what you're doing to those girls. You want them to act like they are somehow the subject of a miracle. No, I wasn't trying to force God on them if that's what you mean. Yes, you you you're the one who says, "Oh, who's behind no, this?" No, the question I was trying to get at is like how should we think about that story? Mm. Do we live in a world where there's magic and meaning or is it all just Chance. <laughs> so let's start with a very basic question. Let's. Uh, uh, random sounds like it means random. That is, anything can happen at the next turn of the wheel. Like your phone ringing, for example. Oh, God. Random. Sorry. sorry, sorry. Although it's happened so many times that it's no longer random. <laughs> it's completely predictable. But it does have a very nice kind of lilt to it, don't you think? I'm going to sing with it now. It's a lucky win. It's a lucky win. What a lucky win. <laughs> <laughs> and now back to our regularly scheduled program. So let's say that something remarkable happens. Like Dolores. Like Dolores. Can you tell whether this is just the random act of, uh, of an indifferent universe or... Is there something truly miraculous and wonderful about it? Excellent question. Thank you very much. And it's a question that took us to Berkeley, California. Hello. 
Hey, we found you. I'm Deborah Nolan. I'm a professor of statistics at the University of California, Berkeley. The reason we'd come to see Deb Nolan at Berkeley is because we'd heard that she plays this game. I like to incorporate lots of classroom activities and demos. One in particular that has to do with randomness. Yep. It's a game that helps her students understand what real randomness actually looks like. And it doesn't look like what you would think. In any case, she takes us into her classroom. Us and a few students. Yes. And she sits us down. Yeah, we all sit down. We sit in a, in a semicircle. That sounds good. And then she explains. Okay, I'm going to divide the group up into two. I'm going to divide it right here. She splits us up so that group one is three of her students. I'm uh, Joe Chang. Richard Liang. Margaret Taub. And group two. Chad Abumrad. Robert Krulwich. Okay. Is us. And the group here. She's pointing at us. I'm going to give you a penny. And I'm going to ask you to flip the coin a hundred times. And the... Three of you. She points to her students. Your job is to pretend to flip a coin. Meaning they just have to flip the coin in their heads. Kind of guess. How do you think that coin might land? Produce a hundred fake coin flips. And then Deb leaves the room. So her students start whipping through their imaginary fake flips. Tails. 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 Heads. Tails. While we... Actually, flip the coin a hundred times. Heads. Heads. Tails. 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 Okay, so on the board, you've got two sets of H's and T's, which look pretty much the same mm-hmm. to us. But she looked at their list. The fakers. And then she looked at our list. And right away, she says, pointing at our list. This is the real one. We were like, wow. What, how did she do that? Well, amazingly, the way she knew had to do with one particular moment. Right. Roll the tape back <laughs> to a moment right at the beginning of our coin flip. spooky. Completely. Like at any moment a unicorn was going to come galloping in. (laughs) That's how weird it was. But as magical and unrandom as it felt to us. That's how she knew that we were the real flippers. As soon as I saw the seven tails and then I looked over to the other board and there weren't any longer than four I think. That's how she knew. And when we asked one of the guys on the other team why didn't you put more streaks in your flips? Um... Well, he said, what I think we'd all say. I was thinking if we did that too much, maybe she would recognize that we were actually doing that on purpose. In other words, those streaks just feel wrong. And that's the thing about randomness. Real randomness, when you see it, just doesn't feel random enough. But, says Deb, the truth is... Strange things do happen by chance. 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 
it so hard for us to emotionally accept this? Well, it finally made sense to us when we spoke to this guy. Hi, Jad. Hi, Robert. That's Jay Kohler. I'm a professor of finance and professor of law at Arizona State University. So here's how the epiphany happened. We were explaining to Jay the unicorn experience in Deb's classroom. Yeah, we got one tail, then we got a second, then we got a third, yeah. and then we got a seventh. And somewhere in the conversation, we started to do the math. Seven like, tails okay, in a row. what actually are the odds? Let me see. I, was it heads in a row, tails in a row? Tails. Seven tails, tails in a row. That's one half raised to the seventh power. So we started to do the calculations, and at first, it looked pretty good. J point zero zero, a little more than one percent. Just over one percent chance. Yeah. So it seemed at first that what had happened in Deb's class was super unlikely. Right. But then, Soren, yeah, our producer, Soren. had to go and say this. You know, to be fair, you should tell him that you actually flipped the coin a hundred times. Oh, ho, ho, now you... <laughs> wait, wait, did you... You were holding back on me. Wait, wait, wait. Because <laughs> we're too stupid to know that. That's why we have Soren here. Are you saying that somewhere in the hundred flips you got a run of seven? That's what we're saying. That's not a particularly good coincidence. I'm sorry to, to burst the bubble. What do you mean? And then Jay explained it to us. Uh, seven, if you're seven, just doing seven flips, then yeah, getting seven in a row is really unlikely. But if you're doing multiple sets of seven, 14 of those sets of seven, which we were, we were doing 100, then the probabilities start to add up. I mean, it starts small, like 1%, but then that one becomes two, which becomes four, which becomes eight, until when it's all said and done, the chances of getting seven tails in a row somewhere in a set of 100 is, don't hold your breath. About one in six chance. One in six, that's it that you would have gotten a string of seven. So what felt spooky and almost Twilight Zone-ish in the moment is actually- It's not that improbable. Oh. See, that's why you don't want to know it. It doesn't confirm your goosebumps. No, I think the goosebumps are dead now. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry to do that. I still enjoy life. <laughs> the problem, says Jay, is that we were so focused on those seven flips in a row that we'd forgotten about the other 93 that weren't seven in a row. We'd forgotten about what he calls the background. We were too zoomed in. So you've got to back the camera up and pan around and look at the complete sample space. And when you do that, he says, what you will realize is that the thing that felt so special. Suddenly you see that it's not so odd in its real context. And this sad lesson goes way beyond coins. He gave us this example. 1985 and 1986, Evelyn Adams of New Jersey uh, wins the lottery twice. Back-to-back -back years. Crazily improbable, right? Right. So if you zoom in all the way in, there she is, Evelyn Adams, standing outside of a convenience store somewhere in New Jersey. I just won it again! I just won the lottery for a second time! She is completely blown away, for good reason. The odds that those two particular tickets would become winning lottery tickets are one in 17.3 trillion. Wow. <laughs> But, Jay would say, if you pan the camera back, away from Evelyn, Bye, Evelyn! And you look at the whole world of people buying lottery tickets. At this vantage point, you can begin to ask a different question. What are the odds that somebody somewhere... Somebody somewhere... ...will win the lottery twice? And in fact, the answer to that is, it would be very surprising if it didn't happen repeatedly. And it has happened repeatedly. Really? For instance... In Connecticut employees of a place called the Shuttle Meadow Country Club. They won twice. A man in Pennsylvania, he won twice a few years later. And California retiree won a Fantasy Five and the Super Lotto in the same day. What? The odds of that were calculated at one in 23.5 trillion. 
That's trillion with a T. One way, I think, to, to think about this whole thing, I think one example that sort of brings it all home, at least it did for me when I thought about the blade in the grass paradox. A golfer hits the ball down the fairway and the ball lands on a particular blade of grass. If the blade of grass could talk, you know, the, the blade of grass would say, wow. Oh God. What are the odds are the that that ball, out of all the billions of blades of grass, everywhere to the right, left, and me, it lands on me. How did it come to be that it just landed on me? I don't know. It's sort of like a miracle, really. And it is sort of miraculous. But what we know is that it was going to land on some blade of grass somewhere, so it's nearly a 100% chance that some blade of grass was going to say, wow, what are the odds that that ball was going to land on me? And if I were that blade of grass, I'd feel so special and chosen. And crushed. And crushed. <laughs> <laughs> Soren. The real lesson here, according to Jay Kohler and also Deb Nolan before him, is that if you don't see past yourself, you fall prey to, you know, superstition. Right, or magical thinking. You have to be careful that you're not finding meaning here when, when it's just coincidence. Just coincidence. Just coincidence. Just coincidence. But there are some things, like the Loras, that will never feel like just coincidence. Well, if it was just wind, it was a very, very lucky wind. <laughs> so we had to ask Jay. I ask you, sir. Is this a miracle? This is not a miracle. It's a good story. But, you know, there are lots of little things I could pick at in the story. You know, like what? It wasn't oh, yeah. exactly. Pick, a, pick away. Well, I mean, it, you know, Laura Buxton didn't find the balloon. Somebody else who knew a Laura Buxton found the balloon. You <laughs> selected out the features that match. And trust me, somebody checked to see if she was an identical twin and said, no, no, that's not a good one. Skip the twin. Okay, how many brothers and sisters? Oh, not the same number of brothers. Skip that. Ah, they both have a rabbit. Let's put that one in the story. They to be totally honest, he's, he's right. What? What do you mean? Well, I, uh, when I was interviewing the Loras, I asked them a bunch of questions, kind of scouting for similarities. What's your favorite color, both of you? Blue, pink. Scrap that. And what do you guys study in school? Biology, chemistry, and geography. Whereas I'm doing English and history and classical civilization. Mm, scrap that. What people do is they try to make the story better by showing more similarities. So you're saying that somebody... Uh, I couldn't imagine who, doctored the story. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, I don't want to spoil anything, and this is a trivial comment, but I believe that one of the girls was actually nine. Well, almost ten. And the other one was ten. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Darn it! No! <laughs> no! Oh, well, that's the story through it. Never mind. Yeah, I'm sorry to be your most depressing guest. <laughs> Nonetheless, I will continue to tell the Laura story every chance I get on the air, at parties, wherever, because, you know, damn the statistics, just makes me feel good. I, I think Jay would agree with you. Well, it, first of all, I, we love stories. It connects us. It, makes, it gives us insight into our own lives. Um, and I think it also gives us a feeling that life is magical. And maybe we don't have to call it magic to enjoy the experience. In fact, I was talking to the Lores and I asked them, what if a statistician were to walk in the room right now and say to you, this was bound to happen. Statistically, this was going to happen sometime to someone. That's fair enough, really, because it just happens to be us in those statistics, so. Yeah, I mean, if that's what the statistician thinks, I mean, yeah, fair game to him. They don't really care. The way they see it, whatever was in that wind, whether it was fate or just wind, doesn't matter. It brought them together. And now, they're friends. <laughs>